the new Arab voice recently jetted off on our summer holidays. We threw our suntan lotion, bucket and spade for the beach, and a pile of holiday reading into a suitcase, and went in search of sun, sea, and sand. But the new Arab voice was not alone in doing some travelling. While we were away, Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman took a tour around the Middle East and North Africa, where he skipped the tourist sites and instead opted for high-level meetings with heads of state. Some visits showed up existing relations, while others served as an attempt to normalise relations which had previously gone bad. The Crown Prince's regional tour included Egypt, Jordan, Iraq and Turkey, all of which come ahead of a visit by US President Joe Biden, who will meet with MBS in Saudi Arabia on July 15th. Why was it necessary for the Saudi Crown Prince to make the diplomatic regional tour? What does it mean for the kingdom's regional relations? Has the Arab and Islamic world moved past recent nefarious actions attributed to MBS? And are we going to see a new chapter in Saudi-US relations? My name is Hugo Goodridge. Welcome back to Season 4 of The New Arab Voice. First stop for Mohammed bin Salman was the Egyptian capital of Cairo. He walked down from his plane where he was greeted by Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi. Big smiles and warm embraces started MBS's tour. Ahead of the visit, a spokesman for President Sisi stated that the two leaders would be discussing regional and wider international political affairs. Specific details of these discussions were not revealed... But following the visit, a raft of economic and trade deals were announced. Saudi media reported that 14 investment agreements were signed between Saudi and Egyptian companies. These ran the gamut of infrastructure, logistical services, port management, agri-foods, the pharmaceutical industry, fossil fuels and renewable energy, and cybersecurity. They were reported to be collectively valued at $7.7 billion. These deals followed a bilateral trend. In 2021, trade between the two countries jumped 62% from the previous year, reaching $9.1 billion. And the continued trade will likely prove a vital boon for Egypt, which is currently experiencing a spiralling public debt problem that has now reached 90% of GDP. After two days of handshaking and smiles for the cameras, it was back onto the plane and a short flight to the next leg of MBS's summer 2022 regional tour, Amman, Jordan. On June 20th, it was another warm welcome at the airport with more warm embraces and yet more military bands. MBS's trip to meet with King Abdullah II of Jordan differed from his meeting in Egypt. Relations between Saudi Arabia and Jordan have experienced a period of decline. Jordan felt sidelined in the wake of the former Trump administration's quote-unquote deal of the century, which they believed pushed them out of their traditional role as a mediator between the Palestinians and Israel. Any hurt feelings in Amman were eased with 
yet more deals being signed, this time regarding mining, fertilisers and industry. Mohammed bin Salman's visits to Egypt and Jordan were the diplomatic starter of his tour. But the main course is what came next. The Saudi Crown Prince's trip to Turkey to meet with President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. What is happening now is that Saudi Arabia and Turkey are normalising relations. This is Omar Ozkazilcik, a foreign policy and security analyst based in the Turkish capital Ankara. And Turkey is ending the case of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. And this has been putting aside and Saudi Arabia is in return ending the boycott against Turkish goods and economic relations with stars. Turkish Saudi relations nosedived in 2018 with the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. The Saudi journalist, who was a fierce critic of the royal family, was lured to the consulate in Istanbul. He was seen entering the consulate building to collect the papers needed to marry his fiancée. He was never seen again. Once inside, the dissident journalist was murdered and dismembered. The gruesome murder shocked the world, and when looking for a culprit, all signs pointed to the Saudi crown prince, earning him the title Mohammed Bonesaw. Turkey was enraged by both the brutal nature and location of the murder. One month after Khashoggi's murder, President Erdogan wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post, the former employer of the slain journalist. Over the course of the past month, Turkey has moved heaven and earth to shed light on all aspects of this case. As a result of our efforts, the world has learned that Jamal was killed in cold blood by a death squad and has established that his murder was premeditated. He continued, The murder was a clear violation and blatant abuse of the Vienna Convention on Consular Relations. Failure to punish the perpetrators could set a very dangerous precedent. In the following years to date, this, quote, dangerous precedent lost its edge. And in April of this year, Turkey announced that it had sent a trial in absentia against the alleged assassins of Khashoggi to Saudi Arabia, which was closely followed by a diplomatic trip by Erdogan to the Gulf Kingdom. The move opened the door for a normalisation of relations. But if the decision of the Turkish court opened the door, it was unlocked by, according to Omar, two main factors. The real motivation behind this normalisation can be located onto two aspects. The first is the need to limit Iran in the region as all of the regional countries expect Iran to become more aggressive and a bigger threat than it was before due to the Biden administration. They want to uh, coordinate and cooperate between each other. The second is that Saudi Arabia did not want to be left uh, out of the normalization process in the region. The United Arab Emirates, Israel and Turkey have been on a course of increased cooperation and coordination and Saudi Arabia did not want to be uh, sidelined. In a post-pandemic world where the Turkish lira has fallen to record lows and the Russian invasion of Ukraine continues to pile complication upon complication, everyone needs friends. And if not friends, then at least not adversaries. Adversaries cost money. All sides have seen that confronting each other has a cost which is just too high. And after doing the math of costs and possible uh, interests, it's, it's been clear that Saudi Arabia and Turkey have to work together and have to normalize the relationship in order 
to reduce the cost for themselves and to gain out of this relationship. In response to Turkish accusations of murder, Saudi imports from Turkey dropped. While no official boycott was announced, economic data does suggest that Saudi businesses took an unfavourable view of products from Turkey. In 2021, Saudi imports from Turkey dropped by 62.3% from the previous year, a record low. For some, the cost is worth it if it means that justice has a chance. Jamal Khashoggi's fiance, Hatice Cengiz, has been vocal in her insistence for accountability. I think Turkey should somehow continue its insistence on this, even if it improves its relations. It shouldn't close the issue. Turkey should continue to ask for information that will contribute positively to the judicial process it has opened regarding this issue, even after the relations are improved. The decision to transfer the case to Saudi Arabia has the potential to come back and cause upset for President Erdogan in 2023, when he will be up for re-election. Although Omar believes that many in the Turkish electorate have already made up their minds about the president. We have to clearly see that Turkish opposition is criticising this and is saying that for some dollars, uh, Turkey has sold its dignity and that uh, they are reminding about uh, remarks of Erdogan vis-à-vis the killing of Jamal Khashoggi and are questioning why has this change uh, occurred. However, we cannot say that this is a major topic in the Turkish domestic uh, landscape. For the Turkish domestic audience, the ones who are already opposed to Erdogan have criticized this and they will continue to criticize this, but it will not have any impact on electoral uh, behavior. The only aspect which may be of importance is the small Turkish community in Istanbul of Turkish uh, Islamists who cooperate and coordinate with the Arab uh, Islamist exile elite. They might be frustrated with the decision and they are frustrated with this uh, decision. But do they have an alternative vote? Will this change their voting behavior to not go to the election box? I doubt that. The Turkish electorate who are disapproving of the president will likely remain disapproving and his supporters would equally be unlikely to leave his side now. That doesn't mean Erdogan can rest easy, with his disapproval rating sitting at 54.4%. Much of this disapproval stems from his handling of the economy, which could be helped by Saudi investment, and even better for Erdogan, could be put into overdrive with a free trade agreement with the Gulf cooperation countries, a prize that the Turkish president has long had his eyes on, but as things stand remains just below the horizon. At this time, it seems unlikely the normalization process has to be fulfilled and finalized before Turkey can move on to uh, expand the relationship. We first need to come to a point in which the relations are like the relations were in the pre-tension period. So, and this will take some time. The institutions in Turkey and Saudi Arabia, the businessmen, in both countries, they need to adjust to new realities. The diplomatic and military intelligence cooperation uh, need to be re- normalized fully. There needs to be a new growing trust between both sides. And uh, this also needs to be done with the United Arab Emirates as well. 
And after that, a free trade agreement between Turkey and the GCC countries might be a possibility. If refreshed relations between Turkey and Saudi Arabia have the potential to revitalize a stagnant Turkish economy, then what's in it for the Saudis? In one word, weapons. And in another word, drones. It is known that Saudi Arabia has a huge interest in Turkish domestically produced weapons, especially the Turkish experience with drones is of huge importance for Saudi Arabia. We know that Saudi Arabia has been repeatedly attacked by the drones used by the Houthi militias in Yemen. And Turkey is the biggest uh, exporter of drones and maybe the most successful user of drones in the world, which has a huge track record in Ukraine, Syria, Libya and Nagorno-Karabakh. Before Mohammed bin Salman even had a chance to unpack and get his towel down on the sun lounger next to the pool, he was back on the plane and heading home. Yes, I said it at the time. Khashoggi was in fact murdered and dismembered. And I believe in the order of the crown prince. And I would make it very clear, we were not going to in fact sell more weapons to them. We were going to in fact make them pay the price and make them in fact the pariah that they are. There's very little social redeeming value of the, in the present uh, government in Saudi Arabia. This was Joe Biden at the Democratic primary debates in November 2019. It was a bold statement at the time and viewed as an indicator that the halcyon relationship between the US and Saudi Arabia under the Trump administration would be coming to an end. But if a week is a long time in politics, then two and a half years, a global pandemic, a Russian invasion of a European country and skyrocketing fuel costs is an eternity. And a lot can happen in eternity. All these factors have led to a re-evaluation in the US and would likely have played a role in the president's upcoming trip to Saudi Arabia, where he will meet with the crown prince. But don't tell Joe Biden that. The same way I've been handling it. I'm not going to meet with, I'm not going to meet with MBS. I'm going to an international meeting and he's going to be part of it, just like there were people part of the discussion today. So what will be the main talking points at the meetings with Mohammed bin Salman that aren't going to happen? Well, I think that there are a few things that the president is going to try to accomplish. Uh, One, of course, uh, and perhaps the the key objective for the visit will be to stabilize the relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. This is Gerald Farstein, senior vice president of the Middle East Institute and the former U.S. ambassador to Yemen under President Obama. There's been a little bit of friction, a little bit of lack of clarity in the relationship over these past few months. And the president would certainly, I think, like to uh, end that and and put the relationship back on a, a stable footing. Turning a page on relations will likely be viewed as a crucial outcome for the president's upcoming trip. There are a number of specific issues, of course, that he's going to want to take. Uh, one that he's uh, spoken about publicly is a desire to help advance uh, Israeli-Saudi relations. Uh, without any expectation that there's going to be a normalization, that Saudi Arabia is going to join the uh, Abraham Accords. But nevertheless, I think the president has said that he'd like to see uh, Saudi Arabia agree to take a few steps forward, like providing El Al airlines with overflight rights 
uh, while it's uh, uh, flying its eastern routes. I mean, clearly, uh, Iran is going to be a major, uh, a major subject for conversation. I would think that Yemen is going to be a third uh, issue on the agenda. And again, uh, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia are aligned in the sense of wanting to see progress on a political initiative to end the conflict. Uh, how can they advance that? What steps can be taken now to get the parties in Yemen back to the negotiating table? And finally, I think that the president would like to bring uh, the parties in the region closer uh, to U.S. and Western perspectives on the Russia-Ukraine uh, conflict. And again, uh, to try to make sure that uh, that we're on the same page in how we interpret uh, the uh, the Russian aggression. The two world leaders will clearly not be stuck for dinner table conversation topics. While global circumstances may have moved the thorny issue of human rights and the murder of Khashoggi back a few places, Gerald does believe that it remains a matter of concern for the US and that it will be broached. The issue of Jamal Khashoggi remains um, a, a matter of concern uh, in the United States, and, and I don't think that's going to change. But uh, in, in not in any relationship, really, but certainly not in a relationship as important as the U.S.-Saudi bilateral relationship, no single issue can become the driving feature of the broader uh, relationship. We have a number of different issues and interests with the Saudis, stability of the global energy markets, uh, cooperation in promoting security and stability in the region. Uh, you, you know, while human rights is certainly going to be on the agenda, it can't be the only issue that the United States and Saudi Arabia have to discuss. There are so many other things. If the U.S. do want to personally raise the issue of human rights and the murder of journalists with Saudi Arabia, then this month's visit would be a good opportunity. Holding to account a world leader who is strongly suspected of having ordered the murder of a journalist may be a noble endeavour, but it's unlikely to lift President Biden's chronically low approval ratings among voters. For many of them, struggling through a cost-of-living crisis and keen to continue driving their cars, a reduction in the price of fuel is a top priority. I think it's crazy expensive. It's getting even more expensive every day, especially for students. It's getting really hard to um, afford it. So now we're going to have to carpool. A massive increase in the oil output from the likes of Saudi Arabia could help to lower the cost of fuel. But any sort of return to the days of cheap fuel are probably a pipe dream. One thing that I think has become clearer uh, as we've gone forward in, in this fuel situation uh, is that Saudi Arabia on its own can't really have that much impact. In fact, the issue is really beyond simply how much uh, oil is being pumped or, or being exported by the oil producing countries. Uh, it has to do with refining capacity. It has to do with with a number of other issues that are well beyond the capacity of either Saudi Arabia or any other individual country to really affect. And so expectations that even if the Saudis pledge to substantially increase uh, the amount of oil that they're producing, would this have a, a major impact 
on how much people are paying here in the United States at the pump? Uh, the answer is probably not that much. Uh, and I, I think that people are becoming increasingly aware of that reality. The Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries on June 30th announced that production would be increased by 648,000 barrels per day. But this is not anticipated to have a major impact on the prices at the pumps. High oil prices for Saudi Arabia serve as a double-edged sword. On the one hand, filling their coffers, while on the other, potentially shrinking the global customer base. Saudi Arabia has always demonstrated a sensitivity to the stability of the oil market. Uh, and the, the reality is that you know, Saudi Arabia wants to be able to continue to be a major producer of oil because that is what fuels their economy, no pun intended. And if the price becomes so high that it drives consumers away from dependency on fossil fuels, accelerates movement towards renewables, solar, wind, whatever, uh, then that uh, eventually is going to be bad for Saudi Arabia. So, so they don't want to see uh, price increases get so far out of control uh, that they actually trigger uh, a movement away from uh, dependence on fossil fuel. President Biden might not come away from Saudi Arabia with the cheap fuel demanded by the American public. But it doesn't mean he'll leave empty-handed. Moving Saudi Arabia and Israel a few steps closer, a more unified understanding of the threat posed by both Iran and Russia, progress on the Yemen file, and perhaps some assurances on human rights are all possible. For Saudi Arabia, and in particular Mohammed bin Salman, he could get access to the US financing he requires to fund the ambitious plans he has for the country. The, the US uh, and the uh, US, both the public and the private sector, are going to be important partners for him if he's going to achieve those objectives. Access to global capital markets uh, generally does involve uh, the ability to go to New York and raise uh, funds here in the United States. U.S. Uh, business is going to be uh, an important uh, element of foreign uh, direct investment into Saudi Arabia. Uh, those things are not going to change. And so whether those goals are achievable without strong U.S. participation is a question, but certainly the success uh, and the ability to facilitate those kinds of transitions that the Crown Prince is trying to make. Uh, are going to depend uh, to a large measure on um, the support and, and cooperation of U.S. business as well as the government. Whatever the diplomatic and financial deals between Saudi Arabia and the U.S. may be, the relationship between the two countries is now on a different path. It's never going to go back. Uh, I don't think that uh, the Saudis are ever going to uh, simply provide a blank check uh, to U.S. policy the way they did in, uh, in, say, the 1980s, 1990s. But I do think that we're going to find uh, a, a more stable footing for the relationship, perhaps a better common understanding of what it is that we're committed to, what each side expects of, of the other. And one of the issues, one of the problems that we've encountered is that really there's been uh, this confusion, I think, on both sides 
of, uh, of what it is that we can expect uh, the other side to do. Uh, where are the red lines? Where are the, the parameters of, of cooperation? And if that is, is based on a better understanding, uh, then I think that, uh, that we'll be in a position, hopefully, to, um, uh, to then move forward and not have some of these hiccups like we've had over these past few months. Since the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, combined with the brutal air war waged in Yemen, Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Salman have found themselves knocked down the international pecking order. Whether it be his trip to Egypt, Jordan, Turkey, or his upcoming meeting with President Biden, Mohammed bin Salman is seeking to use current global events to push his country back to the front, erase the memories of past crimes, and orientate the kingdom into the leadership position they believe is owed to them. Gerald Feierstein again. Uh, within, uh, within the region, I think Saudi Arabia is and, and always has been uh, desirous of being the leader, not only within the Arab Ummah, but also more broadly uh, within the Islamic world. And I think that the Saudis are very sensitive to uh, this issue of whether they're being perceived more broadly, not only again within the Arab community, uh, but in Indonesia and Pakistan and elsewhere in, uh, in the Islamic world as, uh, as the, the leader. The fact that uh, we now have, uh, we have MBS going to Turkey, we had Erdogan coming to Riyadh, also demonstrates again that more broadly within uh, the Islamic world and within the region, uh, Saudi Arabia wants to be a, a force for unity, uh, for uh, cooperation, uh, the, the role that they played in bringing an end to the standoff with Qatar uh, and now bringing Turkey more closely into the fold uh, are indications of the fact that uh, the Saudis see themselves as the natural leaders. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening to The New Arab Voice. This episode was produced and written by me, Hugo Goodridge, with additional help from Rosie McCabe and Paul McLaughlin. Our theme music was by Omar El Phil. The New Arab Voice will be back next week. Until then, you can find all our previous episodes on all major podcast platforms. You can also check out our Instagram page and Twitter account, both at The New Arab Voice, for additional content. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and you can also rate and review, which helps us spread the word. Don't forget to follow The New Arab on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest news from the region.